Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Welcome, Ross. So why don't we welcome him and give him thanks, darling, for coming, sharing the word, honour you. Thank you, thank you. Wow, God is so good. Great to see you all. Just a couple of things before we uh, launch into the word. Pastor Errol at uh, Bundaberg has been had a heart for years to replant the church at Childers. And so they've been planning on that now for a couple of years. Uh, and this week, I got a certificate from the Australian Christian Churches in Queensland saying this certificate confirms that Heritage Christian Church Children is an authorised church plant and they're ready to start. So, Errol, we want you to come and receive this. And uh, this is your little certificate and package. Just give us a brief update of what's happening in the process. Okay. Uh, at this point, all the planning's done except for the building engineering. And that's going to the council. Currently, we, we took a special offering up the other week in church. And with a uh, starting strong uh, grant from the state, we have enough to get the building to lock up at this point of time. So uh, hopefully in the next eight, ten weeks, we'll start doing stuff. The signs will come up on the property the next three. We'll start meetings on Tuesday night in August, the third week in August. And we'll do Tuesday nights right through. And as soon as the building's finished, we'll go to Sunday mornings. So uh, we believe we'll have all the finance uh, done before the building's finished. So God's doing good. Bless you. We need to pray for Errol, hey. Why don't we reach out and pray? Some of the leaders, come and stand around Errol and Sue and their team and uh, come and join us here. We want to pray for blessing. And, and some of you are involved helping out in the original children's church that went for many years, very successful. And a lot of families moved away and leaders moved away and it just, we ended up folding. But you've had a life group going in there for a while and, and more and more people are gathering. So let's believe that God, this, that this just takes off. Father, we just pray for Errol and Sue and all their team as they launch out on this new journey. I just pray, Lord, that church will not only be replanted, be established quickly, Lord, as a lighthouse, as a place of love and truth. And in that uh, city and that area of Childers and their surrounding areas, all those thousands of people, God, I just pray you'd gather that team quickly. Thank you for the finance and resource for all that Errol has diligently done. Because I believe the Lord says, because you've diligently planned and prepared, he will quickly build the physical building and the building of the people. And you will see his blessing overflow. And what was prayed and started years ago will be completed. It will not be cut off, but it will be completed. I thank you for your blessing and favor. Adding to the team, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you, Errol. Go for it, mate. Well done, well done. Richard's doing an awesome job at Jinjin. Come on out here for a minute, Richard. I just love your spirit and his heart. Look at his smile. It's about, it's, it's about a kilometre wide, his smile. Number 10. I just want to encourage you, mate. You've been, how many years have you been there now? Three years. Yeah, well, I reckon, I reckon it's time for increase. I just believe. You've been planning, establishing, and you've seen one or two families come in or come back and I think that's a sign that God's building the team strong. It's a sign, and, and, and I believe there's going to be a, of new people, new people into the kingdom in that place. And you've built the foundations well, working with Pastor Errol and the systems and processes. You've got it set up for a church of 200. So that's, God's going to fill the gaps because you prepared the, you, you prepared the foundations. It's like building a building. You didn't, didn't just build a, a little slab. You've got a big slab, and you're getting the walls up. And in the spirit, that's what you've been doing. And it's time for that community to see the outpouring. And that church has had its ups and downs, but it's time to move forward. And God's going to equip you 
with the compassion, with the passion and the strategies and no weapon formed against you will succeed. There's voices that have risen up in the past to condemn, but they are cut off in Jesus' name. And the authority is within you to lead, and you will not be intimidated by any scheme of the enemy. The authority is within your life and in your team. And let that be burning in his heart, that authority of the Spirit. Lord, that strength of leadership will overflow him, I pray. For Richard and Christine and their team, Holy Spirit, have your way. God, we believe, we believe for increase, for overflow, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest. See them in prayer, and you'll see them coming in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. God's good, eh? And Robbie Melinda of, uh, from Bribey Island. And we've been, they stayed with us overnight, so we've been chatting. And uh, they're about to change their church name to Freedom. How awesome is that for a name, church? But as we were worshiping this morning, I felt the Lord say, you've changed the name, you've restructured and refocused, but as you launch into Freedom, you're going to be amazed at what's going to happen. I see incredible freedom breaking loose in your own church. And, uh, and the people are going to be clapping and shouting and singing like you haven't seen before. There's going to be a freedom in their spirits, but there's also going to be a freedom that's going to overflow. And that community, there's 50,000 people in that whole area now. Amazing. And I believe you're going to see rapid increase. You've had plans to see consistent increase, but don't be surprised that the days are coming where every week there'll be new people getting saved. Not just coming to church, but getting saved. As you declare freedom, it's going to overflow. And I see, just the Lord says, lift your vision, lift your expectation. You've, you've had to walk through a lot of stuff, and you've had to just keep focus. But now it's time to lift the vision and see what God will do. Hallelujah. God's good, eh? Bless that church as they stead out with freedom over their door and over their spirit. Lord, bless Robin Melinda. Lord, they've been faithful. Lord, they've refused to give in or give up through all the chapter been proven strong in you. And I pray for that authority of the Spirit. Lord, that anointing over them as they drive into that place, as they walk around that place, they will see it with fresh eyes. They will see it with eyes of possibility. They will see it with vision. Lord, they would see the people and they would see them coming in coming in. Lord, I just believe that you would raise up an awesome youth group there. Lord, you would raise up, Lord, more and more kids. Lord, I just see a breakthrough overflow happening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wow. Wow, God's good, eh? What a cool name, freedom for a church. Wow, God is so, so good. Great to see Dawn Peel here today. Bless you, Dawn. And Gary and Heather, lovely to see you guys. God is so good, hey. Today I want to blow on with that thought of Holy Spirit encounter. I want to talk a little bit about what does encounter look like in our churches. Now, every church has its own culture. I understand that. Every community has its particular needs and style. And I understand that. Every leader has unique giftings and callings. And your team has that. So I, I, don't want, to, I want to share some things out of our heart that we've done over the years. And just take one or two things that might glean things or resonate and say, hey, that's what we're doing. Let's give that more focus. Because you realize the things you give focus to grow. 
what you give attention to grows. And many of you are already to our hearts and have helped us continue to grow and see people come to Christ. Rarely do we have a week where we don't have brand new people coming to Jesus Christ. And uh, I remember the day when I was standing down the back about, it was, we've been here nearly 17 years, so it was one year after we are here, about 16 years ago, we were praying and someone gave me a prayer request for a need and they had the scripture, Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know of. And I kept reading because someone else was praying, so I kept reading, waiting time to pray this prayer and I read verse 6 and it says, then, this, then I'll heal my people. I'll bring health and healing to it, and I'll restore them. I kept reading to verse 9. It says, Then this city will bring me renown, praise, glory, and honor of all those who hear of the amazing things that I do in this city. And as I'm reading it, my spirit's getting really excited. You know what happens when, the, when you get in a rima word? And the Holy Spirit said, That word is prophetically for Jerusalem. But if you want to today, you can claim it for Harvey Bay. That's how he spoke to me. It was so clear, and my hand was up just worshipping, and I went like this. I said, Lord, I claim that for our city. I went, came to this, and as soon as my hand got to my heart, my spirit exploded within, and almost every week since, we've had brand new people come to Christ. It's like something just happened. It was like faith, and, and so I regularly pray, preach, declare that. Whenever I see the newspaper and says the unemployment's higher and the, the crime's worse, I said, God, that's what the newspaper says, but this is what the truth is. This is what you've got. And so that's my prophetic promise that we pray, and Sylvia's here, our prayer team, we pray that sort of stuff all the time over our city, and we declare the, the real truth. There's facts and truth. The facts are there's a lot of need. The truth is Jesus has come to set the captives free. And so too often we describe the situation, but Jesus says to declare the promise. We too often describe our needs in our lives, in our church, in our families. We stay on, on uh, describing, but God wants us to declare the truth and the promise and the revelation that is ours and the preferred future that's coming. Because prophecy declares the preferred future of God for our life and for our cities and our churches. And we have to be honest with what's happening, but we don't stay at the facts. We lift up the truth because it's greater. And our culture of encounter, <coughs> we love to encounter the manifest presence of God. So we make room for that in our worship. We uh, train our worship teams to not just sing some songs professionally and well, but to encounter the presence of Jesus, to believe for the flow happening. And uh, we love to encounter the person of Jesus Christ. Because he's here every day with us by his spirit. And we just need to be aware in the present that he's here. And when, whenever Jesus walked into a room, things were totally different. And, and I live life with the reality that Jesus with, is with me always. And you've got to press through the pressures, the circumstances, the fears. But you've got to live with that realm. We love to encounter the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Just make room for him. Acknowledge him. Just flow with Him. Because life is so exciting when you make room. In the next session, we're going to split into um, male and female groups and, and Marilyn's going to talk with the ladies about how do we not only survive but thrive? How do we stay fresh in ministry over the years and decades? We don't have all the answers, but we'll share a few that we've learned. And one of the ones I can tell you is walking with the Holy Spirit because He's so full of surprises. 
He's so full of energy and passion and breakthrough. The more I make room for the Spirit, boy, there's no time to get bored. There just isn't. He's full of surprises. It's just so incredibly exciting. And uh, I just thank God. I got a phone call a few weeks ago. I'll tell a few stories because I love telling stories. I got a phone call a few weeks ago and this guy rang me and he said, I've been to your church a few times. He gave me his name. I didn't even recognize his name. And he said, I need to see you. I've got to sort some things out. So I said, I had a bit of a spot two days later. So they came in. And when they walked in, I didn't even recognize them. I've always been slipping in the back seat and out. And I just haven't seen them because they were really hiding. And he said, I'm 64 years old. I've been around church all my life. And I've never really been born again. This is his story. 64-year-old. He said, he said, I need to get my life sorted out. He said, I said, what's happened? He says, the last few weeks we've just sat in the back of your church and during that time God's got a hold of my heart and he's given me hope that I can change. 64 year old, I thought, wow, that's the present. So I had the privilege of leading him to Jesus. He got on his knees, a 64 year old guy, big tall guy, tough South African guy, got on his knees and surrendered, wept his way to Jesus. He's been in and out of church all of his life. And then there was a lot of challenges and I said, you need to ask your wife for forgiveness for some of your journey because he was a hard, tough man. He got on his knees and asked for forgiveness and the presence of God just broke loose and there was tears everywhere and God did an amazing miracle in their hearts. And they said, we need to get help. So I've organized them to follow through with ministry and help with Sozo and other ministry. They've been in church every Sunday and his face is now alive. I thought, that's a miracle. Because when someone gets in their 60s, you rarely see a radical change like that. I thought, that's the encounter of Jesus. And I didn't even know what was going on. See, when the Holy Spirit's weak, we make room for him. You've got no idea what's going on around the people. I love the stories when they can tell me later. Or I have the privilege occasionally to be part of their story like that. I thought, Lord, you're so good. We love to make room to encounter the love of Jesus shared in the family of God in our relationships. His perfect love drives out fear. Everyone's searching for love, often in the wrong places. And we just need to make church a safe place. Not just Sunday, but our church community, our life groups, everything that we do, a safe, loving place. I believe that people not only need to make a decision, but they need to encounter the love and presence of God. And sometimes in church life, we... We rejoice when someone prays the sinner's prayer and they open their heart. That's just opening the door. And uh, I still do, regularly do altar calls. Now, a different church, at different cultures, and, and you need to do what God's told you to do. But I'll just share you the reasons what we, why we still do it. Because when people make a decision, I want them not only to make a decision and a choice, but I want to encounter something of God that day. Because people can be talked in and out of decisions, but they can never forget an encounter with the power and love of Jesus Christ. I've learned that a long time ago. So I regularly will call, if people put up their hand, I still get people to put up their hand that want to respond to Jesus. Most times I'll call them out the front. And rarely do I have people that don't want to come. People say, oh, you'll, they'll be embarrassed, they won't come. I rarely have people that won't come. I do it lovingly, but boldly. Because the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. And so they come and then we lead them in a prayer. And then the team, we pray for them that they would have an encounter with God. 
Some of them, it's just they feel his love for the first time. Some, a peace comes over them. Some, it's quite dramatic. Sometimes there's, there's a, a, a weight lifts off their soul or hope begins to stir in their spirit and they can then start to move forward with their journey. Occasionally, it's a dramatic healing. We had a, a couple that came into our church, um, I don't know how many months ago now, about six months ago, and they were backslidden Christians. And the story is they came through Peter and Emma's daughter, that was their granddaughter, and through school and a whole journey they came, and I didn't know who they were. First Sunday over here, I gave an older call, and uh, they put their, he put his hand up, and he came out the front. I didn't know who he was. He got saved in Liberty Fellowship in 19... Him and his wife got baptized and want to live for God. Yeah, and Steve Penny, we're under Steve Penny, uh, Kennedy and Steve Penny, and uh, went on with God for a few years. And they got transferred their work, went to towns, didn't have church, and they just got busy. They said, we never turned away from God. We just got busy and the decades have rolled by. He'd just recently been diagnosed with cancer. And the, the, the granddaughter asked Emma's daughter, Olivia, at school, are you a Christian? Because... There was a dynamic happening. They came. So anyway, he comes out. He's got terminal cancer. I just felt this incredible. I prayed for him. His cancer wasn't released. But when I prayed for him, he hit the floor under the power of God. And he got up and says, there's no pain in my shoulder anymore. I'm praying for cancer in his lungs and his shoulder gets healed. I said, God, you just do it your way. That was God's sign to him that he was really saved and restored. I just can't figure, you know. I just say, Lord, you do it your way. You touch him. And he really encountered God, and his wife's crying down the back, so I forget, one of the ladies came down, and, we, and she re- reconnected with Jesus. Now, we, we did his funeral about six weeks ago. He was in his 70s. God gave him a few months, Lord, just, he just fell in love with Jesus. And I thought, wow, Lord, what a privilege. What a privilege. I thought, people got to have encounters. So if I wouldn't have called him out, none of that would have happened, probably. It may have. God's gracious and he'll do it his way. But the, the encounter moment then touched the whole family. I just want to encourage you to make encounter moments. Our service of folks and people have an encounter with the presence of the Holy Spirit in worship, in the Word of God. That's why I often pray for or prophesy over people before I preach. You say, well, that's not my style. You've got to do what is God through you but I want to encourage you to believe and make some more room. Because I tell you what, it's so easy to preach the Word and teach the Word when something's happened during the worship or at communion time or a word of faith or praying for the sick just before I preach. It's so easy to preach the Word. You haven't got to try and get their attention and keep it. I don't have clever um, jokes and lines and stories to get their attention. The Holy Spirit's much better at it than I am doing that sort of stuff. I'm no good at that. So that's why probably God says, oh, I'll give you a bit of help with the Holy Spirit. If you're a good storyteller, that's fine. You'll probably connect with their hearts. I'm not good enough at it. <laughs> and uh, it's just so powerful. And then at older times, response times, just make room for people to encounter. And a lot of people need some encouragement to do it. So we regularly ask people to lift their hands, regularly invite them to verbalize their praise and thanks and their prayer. We regularly, uh, we, we rarely a service goes by where we don't pray for the sick in one form or another. Often at the end of the worship, we'll just get people to put their hand up. Sometimes the um, worship leader or the meeting leader or, the, or whoever's preaching, they get one or two words of knowledge or just believe for what, what is the needs in the church. Sometimes it's general, sometimes it's very specific. And I've just done that over the years. I don't see everyone get healed, 
But well, we've seen a lot more get healed than if we weren't doing it. And it's not about how many get healed, it's about how many encounter Jesus and his love and power, because that's more important. Healing's just a trigger, it's a, it's a grace of God lifting their pain and suffering, but it, it's an encounter with his truth and power and love. It's a sign and a wonder. A sign points somewhere and a wonder gets people wondering what's really going on in their life. And I just think God's stirring our hearts. We had a, a lady visit our church years ago. I remember she came from the Sunshine Coast. And uh, she told the story that when Clara and Neil Myers started up COC down in Mumbai, that they went door to door, knocking on doors, doing the Reinhardt Bonke, saying, is anyone sick here? They just went and, and believed for miracles to happen. And this family, this, she said, I was a young girl in my home and my granddad was dying in the back room. They said, and got the mum and said, yeah, my granddad, he's, he's dying in the back room, incurable disease. Clark and Neil's eyes lit up and said, let's go. Can we pray for him? Oh, yeah, I suppose, you know. Went and prayed for him. He jumped out of his bed, totally healed. She said over the next two years, over 100 family members came to Christ as a result of that one miracle. She told me that person, she said, I counted them all, I was one of them. Over 100 in two years as a result of that sign and wonder. We don't make enough room for this sort of stuff. We've seen, we've seen the shonky stuff, we've seen the stuff that hasn't happened, we've seen the people die that we've prayed for, and we get discouraged. But I just keep filling myself with stories like that because I say, God, all things are possible. And the needs are so great in our community now that many people are searching for hope and answers and truth. And I believe we're going to see more and more signs and wonders because the needs are so desperate. Oh, God, just let it come. Response times, getting people to respond. Make room for the anointing gifts of the Spirit. Reinhard Bonnke, remember when he came to the National Concert a few years ago? I'll never forget this line. He said, less anointing, more coffee and cake needed. It was a throwaway line, but it just has burnt in my heart ever since. More anointing, less coffee and cake needed. I thought, wow. <laughs> Get it, but that's what I remember of that conference. It just burnt in my heart. Because when you get the anointing of God flowing, there's a focus on kingdom of love and love. You do all the fellowship, you do all the love and all the other stuff. But I just think, God, help us to have that in focus. It's interesting to know that Jesus called nearly all the people publicly. Come follow me in front of their friends, in front of their family, in front of their crowds. And we've got so sophisticated, we don't want to do that because we don't want to embarrass anyone. I've found you've, if, if people have man at that point, they will often struggle to live fully for Jesus. Why did Billy Graham says, come out of the stands and come and life to Jesus? There's something about that. And, and God does his divine encounters in people's homes and individual understand there are all sorts of ways. He's the Spirit of God. He's the Lord of the harvest. He'll do it His way. But let's not back off from making opportunities for people to encounter. I encourage you to think that through. How do you do this? Prepare your heart. Prepare your message. When I'm preparing a message to preach, I'm always thinking about what's going to be the encounter or response at the end. Sometimes we're so busy wanting to get the Word of the Lord right and get our content right, we forget to pray over how is this going to apply and connect with people's hearts. I make that a central focus of my message. I make sure I get solid content. Because in church life, you know, as pastors, you've got maybe a first-time person in church that's never been to church in their life, right through to a retired pastor or a saint that's been there for 50 years, and you've got to try and bridge that gap, this massive gap in your preaching on a Sunday. 
That's, that's a huge task. Because if you focus on just one or the other groups all the time, the others are going to get bored or drift out or not stay connected. So when I'm preparing a message, I'm thinking about all of those people and I expect there'll be several people there that day that have never been to our church and regularly now we're finding they've never been to a church in their life. We had four people came to church just two weeks ago. I didn't know who they were. There's a lovely older couple from Sydney. They found us on the net. They were on holidays. They brought a friend along and she brought a friend along. So there's four of them sitting down the back there. When I give the altar call, one of the ladies responds to Jesus. She used to know Jesus and she hadn't been in church for years. She lives in Harvey Bay. She came and made a commitment to Christ. So I'm praying for her. And then when I walked down to say hello to her friends, they said, oh, Chris is here. This is his first time ever in church. And he prayed the prayer too. He's ready to respond to Jesus as well. So there I am leading to another guy to Jesus at the down, halfway down the aisle here at the end of the service. He was in his 40s, had never been in a church in his life. Aussie bloke, I thought, Lord, this is happening more and more and more. Just be ready for it. And so I thought, God, this is fun. They're the things that get me out of bed every morning. That's what keeps me passionate and alive. I believe for those things to happen consistently. They don't happen every Sunday, but they happen. Stir your expectations. Say, well, we've only got 30 or 40 people. I know everyone in our church. I know everyone in town. How's this going to happen? God has amazing ways of getting around that. You've got no idea what he's doing in hearts behind closed doors across your city and community. You've got no idea that one of their relatives just got radically saved at uh, Planet Shakers in Melbourne last Sunday and they've already rung and said, hey, my life's changed. You won't believe what's happened. And they, they say, you need to go and find a church in town and see if you can find what I've just found. You've got no idea how often that's going on around our community. So lift your vision, just your expectation. People say, well, it's great the Holy Spirit's moving in the church. I said, yeah, it is, but he's doing so much more in the community because he's striving with all men to be saved. So don't just focus on what's happening in here. This is just training ground for what he's doing across our whole community, desperately calling people to him. Sometimes you need to do a prophetic action, not weird and wacky, but instead of getting people out the altar all the time, sometimes you get people to put their hand on their heart or on their head to, for God to renew their mind, just doing things that help people respond and connect. And the new people come in, they just do what everyone else is doing. I love watching the transformation guys, they got no idea. I remember one Sunday, we were praying for someone and they were getting delivered. It was a, it was a prayer and prayer night, they're getting delivered by the power of the Spirit and my mind thought, I wonder what those new transformation guys are thinking right now. The band's going, they're singing, someone's getting delivered down here. And I look up and think, I wonder what they're doing. And do you know what I saw? Six of them who were new in church, some of them not even shaved, they were on their seats clapping and cheering what was happening at the front. Never seen it in their life. No, they, they knew that something supernatural was happening. Because these guys have lived darkness out there in the drug world and destruction. They, they know how evil this world is. And all I had to say was, this person's just getting free from some strongholds of darkness in their life. And they're clapping and cheering. Well, within the next weeks, all of them came to Christ. That's, that's what God can do. But, and I didn't set that up. He did. But I make room for it and I don't hide it or run from it. And let him be Lord of the harvest. I am just amazed what he does. Sure, you'll get occasional people that will run and hide, and we don't do that every Sunday. But 
when God's God, just let him be God and see what will happen. Last, last year we taught about that tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. And so often we think, well, we just can't do the speaking in tongues thing in, in, in public service. I don't know where you get that from because that's not what the Bible teaches. It says tongues are a sign to the unbeliever, not the believer. You read it, 1 Corinthians 14. I was preaching at church a while ago and said that and someone just about jumped up and argued with me until I read the scripture and they sat down quiet and think, that's the truth. And they'd always believed the opposite until we just explained the word. I've seen so many people get captivated by tongues as a sign and they think, how does that work? How do you do that? I remember her daughter Rachel at the Anglican school. She used to have a prayer meeting going and some of my friends say, can you speak in that tongues thing? She said, yeah. She says, can you do it now? She says, well, it's not meant to just demonstrate it, but they'd be around her and see her in a prayer meeting or they'd been along to a youth rally or a youth alive event or something and they'd seen it. That's what captivated their attention. They got them curious. You'll be surprised what will get people's attention. And, and I just think, God, help us to do it. So prepare your heart. Prepare your response time. Be led by the Spirit. You have an open heaven. And I've taught that two years ago. I preach it regularly. You have an open heaven. We can think about how dark and, and overwhelming our society and our nation is. It is terrible. But the Spirit of God is not swamped by that because He's the light of the world. But if you don't have an attitude that you've got an open heaven over your city and church, you won't live like it and you won't preach like it. Because when you believe there's an open heaven, you'll preach with authority. You'll believe that God's going to encounter people. And the change of attitude in how you do all of church and life. 2 Corinthians 6.2 in the Passion says, So can't you see, now is the time to respond to his favour. Now is the day of salvation. I want to encourage you, let's make room for that. Hebrews 11.1 1 in, the, in the Amplified says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now faith. Faith's now. Hope's for the future. You need hope for the future, otherwise you can't base your faith now on something. And I think we need to live in the present a lot more than we do. A scripture that really stirred my heart just at the end of last year. And uh, we sing that amazing song out of Revelation about uh, holy, 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 the God who was and is and is to come. Until I was reading Revelation 1 in December last year, and I, had to, I read it and I put the Bible down. I looked at other versions. I said, that must be a misprint. Revelation 1, let me read it, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John writes to the seven church in Asia, grace and peace, from him who is, and who was, and is to come. And I'd always believed it was, was, is, and is to come. Until I read the words, he's the God who is, he's present now. And he was, and he is to come. And I've never seen that in the Bible before. I thought, how did I miss that? Because several other times in Revelation, it does say he's the God who was, is, and is to come. And that's what we sing. But in reality, John saw him as the God who is. He's now, he's in the present in everything we are and do. And a change has stirred me even again for encounter. So if God's the God who is, 
He's with me now. His Spirit's at work every Sunday in church. His anointing's in us as leaders. He's is. He's present with us now. And wherever Jesus is, things change. And so it even stirred me more to prove wherever I am because I believe He's the God who is. Yes, He is the God who was. And He is the God who is to come. But if you don't live with the reality that He's the God is, who is, you will live in the past future most of the time. Way too many Christians, most, way too many churches live in the past or the future. We're thinking about what might come and how Jesus is going to come and all of that. Hey, He's going to come regardless, so don't worry about it. It's going to happen. Way too many live in the past of the good old days or the bad old days. A lot of individuals live in their past because of grief and trauma and pain and they can't get past all of that. So they live in the past. A lot of other people live with this wishful hope that one day it'll change. But they're not doing anything now to change the trajectory so it will. That's where most people live. But if you've got the revelation that he's the God who is, he can change people, he can change our trajectory, he can adjust your church and your leadership thinking so that he's the God who is. And I've learned, I've been in enough meetings and I've seen God do enough that when God is made room to be present, anything can happen. Anything can happen. He's just so, so amazing. And uh, in Revelation 1.8, it says in the Amplified, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is existing forever and who was continually existing in the past and who is to come the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the Ruler of all. So this is an expression of God's absolute supremacy over all things. He is. He's in our moment right now. So whenever you're talking to someone, I want you to pray with the reality that God's with me right now. What's it say? Where two or three are gathered in my midst, there I am in my midst. If you look at the Amplified, it's the capital I am is there. It's not just His presence. It's the capital I am is there. What did Jesus say? I am the bread of life. I am the way. It's not I was the way or I was the bread. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the door. I am the light of the world. Everything is present with God based out of His history and His eternalness. I just think way too many of us live in the past or the future. And I reckon if we can get more of our churches living in the present with planning for the future, I'm not talking about forgetting about the future. Let's plan and strategize and have systems and process. We need all that. Otherwise, you have all these people and no systems to help disciple them. That's not what Jesus says. But way too many of us live in the past or the future. I believe that God wants to help us. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation come, the old is gone, the new is here. Then you've got to learn how to live that out. But the new is there right now. I think, God, help us to live in the overflow and the power of that. And uh, there's so many other things we could share. I, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Not just a river, rivers. And if you look at the Old Testament picture in Ezekiel 47, it says the river started at the throne and the further it got from the throne, the deeper it became. I thought, what a beautiful picture. We think the closer we are to God, the stronger the river is. Actually, that's the source of it. But the further it goes into your community, into broken lives, the deeper the river gets. And more people can access it. 
What a beautiful thought that is. People don't always have to just come to your holy church meeting to encounter Jesus. That's where you train and fill up and refresh. But then the river gets deeper when it gets further out into our broken community. And at our last state conference, I think Mark Verikis spoke that principle out of Psalm 133 about the anointing coming on the head, going garment to the very edges or tassels of his garment. And he used the picture that the anointing flows from the head through the body and then out to the very edges of our broken society. I thought, what another beautiful picture of the presence of Jesus flowing out into our hearts and our lives. And I used to preach and hope something happened. Now I preach and know something's happening. I used to pray that something would happen, hope something would happen. Now I pray and know something's happening. It's a shift of faith which moved about something happened in my life that shifted. And so whenever I pray, I know something's shifting. I might see a miracle of healing. I might see a breakthrough. But if I don't see it on the natural, I know something shifted on the inside. I know something shifted in their thinking. I know something shifting in their environment because you've got that authority. We need to live with that reality. So you pray knowing, not hoping. You preach knowing lives are being changed, not hoping something's going to get through to them. You do ministry in the Spirit knowing something shifted. Every time you move in the gifts of the Spirit with a word of knowledge or prophetic word, I know something's shifting over their life. And I understand you've got to receive it by faith and you've got to flow through with the knowing, the authority, not just hoping. And I believe that's presencing Jesus wherever we go. And I believe that God wants us to, to have that in our hearts. You need a run sheet, but let it be a guide, not a rigid program. And, and over the years, we've got more organized. I remember, I was in Pentecost, and I remember some of the early services, they were weird and wacky, mate. God did some amazing things, but boy, they were sometimes weird and wacky, and no wonder we didn't get many people come and join our churches. Thankfully, over the years, God's taught us to do public gatherings better, and organized, and flowing, and caring for the young, old, the new, and the the ones that have been around the saints for a long time. We've got a lot better at doing awareness and sensitivity and connection and involvement. But sometimes we've done it at the expense of space for the Holy Spirit to do His work. I think God's teaching us as a churches to find a really healthy balance of what that looks like, the shape it looks like for your life, your gift, your church, your demographics. But I, I just appeal to you, let's make room for encounters. Let's make room for encounters in the Spirit. Have variety in your meetings. Don't be predictable or boring. That's why we pray for people. Pray for the sick at the end of worship, at the end of communion, before I preach, after I preach. Occasionally I give an altar call for salvation. The Spirit of God's there and tugging away. I love the book Acts chapter 2. I remember I shared a bit last night how that Peter got up with the 11 and explained, so it was an us. That's a powerful thought. But also, the Spirit of God moved and he got to explain what had just happened. We preach and hope something happens. In the book of Acts, sometimes the Spirit moved and then he got up to teach and explain what's just happening. That's a, that's a novel thought, eh? I love those sort of services. when the, During the worship, people's lives are getting changed. 
you can feel something shifting. The preaching is equipping the saints, but it's also helping explain what's just happened or happening. And yes, you preach the word and it builds faith, so more things happen after the preaching of the word. But I think we, we can't lock ourselves into formulas. I, I really think we just got to make more space for the Spirit of God. And uh, I know many of you are, and I want to encourage you, so position yourself right. Believe for healing and breakthroughs. I've learned in the Spirit, be as natural as possible. Don't be weird and wacky. You don't have to change your voice. I remember when I was a kid, there's some evangelist would come through, and when the anointing would come, they'd change this and go into some operatic, weird stuff. I think, what's that? You know, you know just, just be as natural as you can be. I've got a feeling Jesus was so natural because the sinners hung around him and the kids hung around him and they won't hang around false or weird people. Think about it. The sinners love to hang around Jesus, challenging them to change their lifestyle. How does that work? Because he was just natural and real. He spoke reality, spoke about their pain and brokenness, brought some healing and hope to their lives. I think, wow, I believe the more natural we become working through these vessels that are still getting it sorted, but we're able, people feel safe and comfortable. And it's amazing what happens. And we've, we're still learning how to do that. But I just thank God. I want to encourage you, step up. Don't pull back. Have an expectation for an encounter. When something's happening, don't be a spectator. As leaders in our teams, don't be a spectator. When we're praying for someone up here, you be passionately believing with all of your heart. Just and, and like I've said before, prophecy, often there's a word coming for this couple, but you're sitting in the back seat and God says, that's for you too. I've always learned to take it. Don't, don't just sit there and be a spectator. I get everyone to pray it every Sunday. I said, I love this part of church because I'm, I'm reminding myself that I'm born again and the Spirit of God lives within me. I get everyone to pray it every Sunday because it reminds them that He's our Lord and Savior. You know? And I don't do it religiously because the prayer changes every time. But it's a commitment and surrender. So when someone's getting saved or healed, if you want compassion to flow, imagine that's your son or daughter or your husband or wife or your mum or dad. Someone taught me that a long time ago. How do you release compassion? The person you're talking or praying with, imagine it's your close family friend who's ill and compassion will start to break loose in your soul. These are some keys that can help teach your people to rise up and be compassionate. So encounter. We're going to take... A few minutes and what, I, what I'd like you to do is maybe to split up in groups of three or four and just for five or ten minutes have a chat about some of the ways that you already do encounter in your church and life and you'll be doing it in all sorts of ways and uh, try and mix up a bit so you're not just with people from your own church couples can stay together if they want to that's fine but make sure you're with at least someone else from another church and just have a little chat for a few minutes and then we'll uh, pray together before we head off for uh morning tea in about 15 minutes together and I just want for you today to interact and connect and just talk about and maybe even something we've shared today so hey we've, we've done, that, done that once or twice in our life groups or our, our youth group but we're a bit too scared to do it in our whole church or some things that have worked and a few things that didn't work so hey we really tried something different and boy did it, it come. Well, we had one guy years ago he was an old Dutchman and he preached about forgiveness at communion 
And then he challenged everyone, if you've got some forgiveness now across the church, and there's dead silence and no one's dared to move, you know. It was just all the wrong way to try and get forgiveness flow. And no one dared move. It was just a deathly silence. And this poor guy didn't know how to resurrect the service and it was just a painful process. He was trying too hard to help God out with, without sensitivity to people's souls, you know. If you're going to do something like that, you have the music playing and say, hey, maybe you need to reconnect with someone and maybe there's a, a flow of forgiveness might happen here. But you've got people embarrassing. The goal is not to embarrass people. It's to help people get over their fears, but not to embarrass people. Holy Spirit, help us just to flow in your amazing grace. Thank you for these, all these amazing men and women, the incredible things that happen in their churches, their lives. And Lord, just for a few minutes, help us just to interact and connect and just inspire one another on how you are encountering lives and setting people free in Jesus' name. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. 